TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. Well, good Wednesday morning, everyone. Welcome to 97.3 The Fan. Coach John Cantera with you from now until uh, 9 o'clock. We have a lot to get done today on the uh, program. Uh, Very excited about that Padre victory last night. We're going to get into that. We've got a a couple of uh, guests. We've got our spotlight segment, and we got your phone calls today as well. If you're on your way to work, love to hear from you this morning. Our phone number, 833-288-0973. Coming up at 540, if you missed it yesterday, Eric Williams from ESPN. Uh, evaluating the Charger draft. We'll play that again at 540. Uh, I think uh, after uh, Eric and I got off the air yesterday, we uh, both agreed the Chargers uh, probably had a B to a B-minus draft. Uh, it was kind of interesting yesterday. I had a gentleman uh, on Twitter uh, say, boy, you know, I really enjoyed the show yesterday, and I love Coach, but, man, I had to tune out when the uh, Charger stuff came on. Well, you know what? We, we have to cover the stories, and we're going to cover the Rams, and we're going to, quite frankly, we're going to cover all the teams in the National Football League. One thing that Sports Talk uh, radio listeners like, they like to hear about the uh, NFL, and obviously there are still a lot of Charger fans up and down the West Coast, and we will uh, cover that uh, when we feel uh, it's necessary, and I think evaluating the Chargers draft uh, was necessary, and we'll try to evaluate the uh, Rams draft either later this week or maybe uh, early next week. Uh, we'll get the Padres Rewind for you this morning at 6.20 and 8.20. Uh, we're going to have a, a guest today from the uh, San Diego Seals, Kyle Hartzell, a veteran defenseman who signed uh, midway through the season with the Seals and doing a great job. He will join us at 7.40 this morning. The uh, Seals have qualified in their inaugural season for the uh, playoffs. They'll uh, be in the Western Division semifinal coming up on Monday night, May 6th at Pachanga Arena. So we'll look visit, uh, look forward to visiting with Kyle Hartzell coming up at 740. And then my buddy Randy Jones will stop by at 840. In and around all that, we're going to get to your phone calls this morning and we're going to get to that great Padre victory last night. Wow. How cool was that? What a night did Fran Reyes have last night. A double Two homers, drove in three runs, took that one homer the opposite way, had a, uh, a double uh, to the opposite way to drive in a run. He uh, he really got it done in a big way last night. Fran Mill ended up three for four, a double, two homers, number seven and eight on the year, and three RBIs. Eric Hosmer once again. Hosmer's playing some good baseball. In fact, this is the best baseball Eric Hosmer has played in a San Diego Padres uniform over the last uh, week and a half. Uh, two for five last night. He ripped his fifth homer of the year. Uh, Manny Machado had a hit last night. Padres really didn't do a whole lot other than Fran Mill Reyes and Hosmer. Uh, uh, Manny got the one hit. Uh, Padres ended up mustering uh, six hits in the ball game last night. How about this? I couldn't believe this when I looked at the uh, numbers after the game. The Padres left one base runner on last night. Left on base, one for the San Diego Padres. They were one for two last night with runners in scoring position. Uh, the Braves tried to come back in that ball game. They got a run off of Craig Stammen in the eighth inning. Kirby Yates got himself into a little hot water uh, 
uh, with the leadoff hitter getting on in the ninth inning. And how about that throw last night by Francisco Mejia? If you missed it, you have to go back and try to find that somewhere on the internet right now. That was absolutely amazing, that throw last night. In fact, uh, Jeff, do we have that sound of uh, Francisco Mejia throwing out the pinch runner Charlie Culberson last night? It was absolutely fantastic. Listen to this call. Runners going. The pitch is high outside. Throw down Mejia on the bag. Out at second base. What an arm on Mejia. We know it. We've seen it. Scouts talk about it. And I mean, you got to really, really give it to him there. That throw was perfect. That throw was absolutely sick. I mean, it was unbelievable. I thought Charlie Culberson, who was a pinch run and had a great jump, and Mejia had have no chance to get him. And Ian Kinsler just had to stick his glove there. The ball was in it, and Culberson uh, slid into it for the second and out. And then the next pitch, uh, uh, Kirby Yates closed it out with a strikeout. That was unbelievable. Now, Mejia last night didn't have a hit in the ball game, but that throw right there very well may have saved the San Diego Padres last night. If you saw that throw, give me a call this morning. I mean, I go back to the days of Johnny Bench, and, and there's no better catcher than Johnny Bench, and, and he was as good a thrower as you'd ever see. But that throw by Mejia last night was unbelievable. In fact, listening to Andy Green last night in the post game, he was just going off and talking about this guy has the best arm in baseball behind the plate. There's nobody that has a better arm. I mean, Andy was just, uh, uh, he was glowing about Mejia. Now, Mejia right now is really in a funk at the plate. They didn't have a hit last night, swinging at balls out of the strike zone. And, yeah, you'd like to give him a little more playing time right now, but Austin Hedges, quite frankly, is a better defensive catcher. And Austin Hedges' arm isn't bad. It isn't bad at all. I think Austin's one of the best defensive catchers, not just in the National League, but in all of Major League Baseball right now. And I said it a couple of weeks ago on the program, and I really believe it. When Yadier Molina decides to hang it up, I think Austin Hedges may be the next guy in a line for the gold glove in the National League uh, behind the uh, plate wearing the tools of ignorance. So uh, give me your thoughts on that. Padres, a much-needed win last night. They're now 17-13. and 13. They stay uh, two games back of the first-place Dodgers. Dodgers uh, clubbed the Giants last night 10-3. Uh, to 3. They ripped uh, three more homers last night. Justin Turner got his first of the year. Kike Hernandez is six. It was a two-run blow. And David Freeze, who's been hitting under the Mendoza line, he had his second homer, a three-run jack last night. Cody Bellinger, one for three and a walk, still hitting 431 with a 508 on base percentage. You got the news shortly after we went off the air yesterday morning. It clicked right on my phone when I was sitting in traffic heading back to North County. The Padres officially placed rookie shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. on the 10-day uh, injured list with a strained left hamstring. It was retroactive to Monday, and they recalled uh, right-hander Phil Maton from uh, AAA El Paso. Now, here's the deal and the way I feel about it. I think Tatis Jr. is fine. I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll come off uh, after the 10 days. They're being very, very careful. And you know what? They need to be very, very careful. This is like the Hope Diamond. This guy is like the Hope Diamond. you got to treat him with kit gloves right now. I mean, yeah, could he probably play this weekend? Yeah, he probably could. 
But give him that extra time because the last thing you want is for him to aggravate that and miss four to six weeks or, or miss three months. You, you can't do that. Good move by the San Diego Padres. You look at Tatis Jr. right now. What a year he's having. Hitting 300 right now. Uh, six homers, 13 RBIs. I think he and uh, Pete Alonzo, the uh, young uh, power hitter for the New York Mets, right now those are the two guys you got to focus in on uh, for the National League Rookie of the Year. And I know we're only talking about the first month, but this guy plays a primary position, a prime position of Major League shortstop, and he was getting it done in a big way. Now last night, remember we talked yesterday on the program about Andy Green and what lineup he should run out there? Andy ran our lineup out there last night. He ran our lineup out. Andy, thanks for listening on our Radio.com app. We appreciate that a great deal. Last night, Ty France down at the hot corner. Ty didn't have a good night swinging the bat. He was 0 for 4. Shadow had a nice uh, night at shortstop, made all the plays. Greg Garcia got another start, not at shortstop, but over at second base. They brought Ian Kinsler in late in the ball game. And you know what? Tonight, Kinsler will probably draw the start. And Ty France will be back at third. Machado will be at short. And uh, Ian Kinsler will uh, be uh, back in the starting lineup tonight. Why? Because we got a fun matchup tonight. This is going to be a fun one, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, and we'll get into Cal Quantrill a little bit more. But uh, Quantrill was the Padres' first-round draft pick back in 2016. And the guy that he's matching up against tonight is a guy that I was there two days before he was drafted by the Padres in 2012, in June of 2012. Max Fried out of Harvard-Westlake up in the Los Angeles area. There was a tryout. They had a workout down at Petco Park on the Sunday prior to the uh, draft. And I watched Max Fried's bullpen. And then later that week, the Padres ended up taking Max Fried in the first round. He was the seventh overall selection back in 2012. So the matchup tonight... Two former number one uh, picks of the San Diego Padres. Cal Quantrill going to be making his major league debut tonight. Right now he's got a 3-1 and one mark down in AAA with a 4.68 ERA. Uh, 25 innings, 26 hits, 8 walks, 24 strikeouts. Gave up a couple of homers. And those numbers, as we heard yesterday from A.J. Casavell, a little bit inflated because he had his first outing or two were not uh, Phi Beta Kappa down there, but overall he's pitched pretty well. So he's going to make his major league debut tonight. And uh, kind of anxious to see exactly what the Padres are going to do roster-wise because uh, they're going to have to make a corresponding move prior to this ball game tonight because they already brought Maton up for uh, Tatis Jr. yesterday. So, you know, it'll be uh, kind of uh, interesting to see what kind of move uh, the Padres make. Will they send down a reliever or will they do something with one of their uh, position players? Only time will tell, and I don't know if we'll have that uh, by the time we get off the air at 9 o'clock and turn it over to Jim Rome. Uh, it'll probably come down a little bit closer to game time. Again, our pregame show tonight will get underway at 3.20. First pitch will be at 4.20, and then tomorrow we're going to have a three-hour program tomorrow. Three-hour program will be on from 5 until 8, and then I will have the uh, Padres pregame show tomorrow at 8.10, and the first pitch of the final game of the series, final game of the seven-game road trip, will be at 9.10. With the win last night, the Padres uh, sitting at 3-2 and two on this seven-game trip. They win tonight. 
They've got a winning record on the road for their second consecutive road trip. And, boy, you get it tonight, and then you try to uh, win it tomorrow and go 5-2. and two. That was my hope, and that was what I was really hoping for, that they, number one, would have a winning trip. But I was hoping for 5-2. and two. I'd take 4-3. and three. I wasn't going to settle for 3-4 and four the way this team has been playing. You got to love Fran Mill Reyes. Good guy, hard-working guy. The first thing that I noticed when he came up last year, the first time, remember he came up, went down, came up, started getting the job done, was in there, ended up uh, clubbing 16 homers last year, did a great job for the Padres, continues to uh, do a good job, got off to a slow start, but it wasn't because he wasn't hitting the ball hard. I mean, he was tagging the ball all over the yard, just unfortunately right into the awaiting glove of the defense. But the thing that I noticed first about Fran Reyes, the very first night he was in the big leagues, you know, you, you come up and you rush to the ballpark, your fans uh, uh, that have been following you in the minor leagues, they all come to the game, your uh, friends, your family. And I remember his mom was there, he had a cousin there, and, you know, he's getting paraded around. And I'm saying to myself, how is this guy going to mentally be prepared to play a big league ball game tonight? And, and physically, you know, these guys are flying in and everything's happening really quick. And he couldn't have been more congenial. He's a good guy. But the thing that I noticed right from the get-go with him was this game actually means something to him. Not that it doesn't to other players, but there's some guys that just exude uh, confidence and wanting to get better on a daily basis. And this guy, I think, is a sponge. I know Eric Hosmer has had a tremendous uh, influence on Fran Mill Reyes early in his major league career. And, uh, boy, he's a big old hoss and, and strong as a bull. Strong as a bull. Uh, I think they list him at about 285. Now, remember, he had a little uh, off-season knee surgery. And, you know, when he came to spring training this year, they weren't sure he was going to be 100%. But, you know, he's battled back. He worked extremely hard right now on uh, uh, playing the outfield. Is he ever going to be a gold glove outfielder? Probably not. But is he going to be competent out there? Yeah, I think he's uh, improved a great deal. And the Padres are very fortunate. Now, think about this. And we'll know more when the ball club gets home on uh, Friday night because we want to find out about Travis Jankowski. That's another one the Padres have is Travis Jankowski. I think losing him really hurt for a variety of different reasons. Number one, he's your best outfielder. I don't think anybody can argue that. He's the best outfielder, and he can play all three outfield spots. He's fast. He can steal bases. He could be a pinch runner late in the ball game. Left-handed bat, something the Padres don't have a whole lot of right now. And he's good against right-handed pitching. So when you get Jankowski back, and he's going to have to go down to the minor leagues and knock off some of that rust. But he will, and he will be back. He's a hard-working guy. He plays the game the right way. And uh, we'll do a little uh, checking on uh, Friday night when we get to the ballpark. Find out exactly where Travis is at on uh, the recovery uh, uh, level and uh, hopefully he ought to be I would think uh, in the next three weeks we ought to hear a little something from Travis Jankowski but you know we're talking this morning about Fernando Tatis Jr. We weren't sure yesterday when we were on the air whether or not uh, the Padres had put him on the IL well they put him on the IL shortly after we went off the air and uh, Andy Green uh, met with the media right when he got to the ballpark yesterday and this is uh, Andy Green talking about uh, the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, we put him on the injured list today. Uh, uh, had an MRI today, has a muscle strain. Uh, you know, for us, uh, it's going to be out a number of weeks. Exactly how many weeks uh, depends on how he responds to it. Uh, good news, like structurally, he's fine, he's intact. There's no need for any surgery or anything like that. But 
know, everybody heals a little bit differently from these things. And hopefully he heals quickly. And it's hard to put a timetable on it because it's based on how he responds to each day and each treatment already a couple days in. He's feeling considerably better than he did yesterday even. So I think that's early and encouraging for us. But uh, I think after seeing these for a number of years, it's really hard to give a specific timetable on when exactly he'll be back. Obviously, as an organization, he means a lot to us, means a lot to our future. So uh, we're not just going to be cautious to be cautious. We're going to make sure that he's ready to take every step he's taken. Uh, and hopefully he's back relatively quickly. Uh, For us as a club, it provides some opportunity for some other guys on the baseball field for the time being. And uh, on the other side of this, uh, maybe we end up finding a couple guys that rise up and take advantage of the opportunities presented to them and uh, then surround them with him when he comes back and it'll be a better better ball club for it. The old uh, next uh, man up uh, theory. And I bring in Jim Russell. Uh, Jim, good morning and uh, great to have you here as usual. And, you know, you hear Andy Green talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. They put him on the IL yesterday and he goes, uh, you know, it could be weeks. Well, on Monday in Atlanta, he was still taking ground balls after what happened on Sunday. First off, uh, yeah, I was thinking about not showing up this morning, but, you know, I, I decided to come for you, coach. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Are you having fun with me? Coach, we've worked together for a long time. Come on, man. Uh, the key thing that I heard there is weeks. Like, he emphasized weeks, weeks. So anybody that thinks that Tatis will be back uh, next week is probably mistaken. Because I don't know, Jim. I, 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 think don't know. Gonna, I think they're going to really treat him with, like, the biggest kid gloves possible. And I'm fine with that, but I'm not sure it's going to be weeks. I mean, I can't see him being out a month. I could see him being out maybe a few more days than the 10 days on the IL, but uh, four weeks, uh, I can't see that. Hey, you know, hamstring injuries, they're they're weird. Like, when I was playing basketball in high school, I got a hamstring injury. took me a month. I mean, great, I'm not the athlete that Fernando Tatis is. Yeah, you had great acceleration on that uh, change of pace, change of direction dribble of yours. Oh, for sure. I mean, sign me up for the for the NBA. But uh, I don't think that they're going to put him in a situation where he's going to be back sooner than later. I really don't. I mean, he is the face of this franchise right behind Machado, and they're going to make sure that he is going to be fine for the rest of the year. If they lose him for two weeks... For the rest of the season, like that's fine. If he's only out two weeks, I think we're very, very lucky as Padre fans. Oh, very lucky because that injury looked like it was a three monther. Yeah, like it looked like he tore his hamstring. He's completely done. Season's over. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Typical Padres. Like we, that's that's assuming that's what we all thought. But we talked to David Chow. He said it kind. It looked like he just stretched it a little bit. And like I said, Padres are going to treat him. With kid gloves for sure. You know that he's getting treatment around the clock. I guarantee you there's somebody knocking on his hotel room in Atlanta at about 3 a.m. and uh, taking him through some kind of treatment. They're just not going to let that slide. He's going to be exhausted from just uh, having the trainers around him morning, noon, or night. When he's not, I mean... Getting treatment, he's gonna, his leg's going to feel so good, but like he's not going to be <laughs> running, but his leg's going to feel so good from the treatment he gets. Uh, but the good thing about, not the good thing is, but Tatis being injured, they have a pretty good backup shortstop. I would say so. And Andy said that that Machado will be playing shortstop for the foreseeable future while Tatis is out. And that gives the opportunity to Ty France to play third which we all expected him to play third this year before the Machado signing, so it's not like something out of the ordinary. Um, And then Greg Garcia, and uh, you have Kinsler at second. 
maybe maybe put Kinsler at third for a couple di- for a couple days, giving Ty France a cu- couple days off. Um, so they're not like in the worst position ever. Obviously, Tat- you want Tatis out there. You want him to play. He's he's the, like one of their best players. You know, you you talk about he's the face of the franchise, and I'll tell you why I think he is. Well, number one, he's twenty years of age, and we've heard so much about Tatis Jr. the last couple of years since he came over in that deal from the Chicago White Sox. But he also is a guy, you know, that uh, has some flair and some swag. And Manny, you know, when Manny gets it going, uh, fans are going to just uh, go absolutely crazy with him. But he's a guy that, you know, he's a hired gun where Tatis Jr., even though he wasn't drafted by the Padres organization, they're the ones that have developed him. He's the one that we've talked about at nauseum the last couple of years. And, boy, uh, talking about it and watching him has been well worth it. This guy is a special player. And, like, when a team has a homegrown guy, like I look, I hate to do this to go back to the Warriors, but Warriors fans love Steph Curry more than they love Kevin Durant. Kevin right. Durant's probably the better player, but they would choose Steph Curry ten out of ten days. That's the same thing in baseball. Like when a player comes up through your system, they love that player more than a player that they would sign as a free agent. And that's how Tatis is. You bring Tat. You're right. He didn't get drafted by the team, but he was brought up through the organization. He's, he never played another game with any other organization, so you'd probably consider I would consider him the the, the Padres' own. Like that's the guy that they brought to the system, and he's the guy that everybody loves. Um, he, everyone's going to love him, and uh, he is the face of the franchise. Think about this. I got a chuckle. A chuckle. The Padres traded James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. I'll be honest, with you, I, I couldn't get rid of James Shields fast enough. I wasn't really excited about that guy's attitude with the Padres. I don't know if he thought he was better than the Padres or what, but you know, it was good riddance when he went bye-bye. And then they get Fernando Tatis Jr. in that trade. I have no idea what Kenny Williams was thinking there with the White Sox. That's maybe why he has a different position now as the general manager of the White Sox. I don't blame the White Sox. He was a, I I believe 17 or 16 your old no, he signed when he was 16. Right. So, and he played zero games in the White Sox organization. They had no idea what they were giving away. It's not <laughs> like they were giving away Mike Trout in his minor league. Like, they weren't giving away somebody that they knew was going to be an all star. They had no idea about that. Well, Tatis. they knew this guy had some special skills. Whoever, whoever is the scout for the Padres that scouted Tatis. And gave the gave give the okay. a lifetime contract. I mean, that guy. Give uh, him a lifetime contract. Like, round of applause for you, man. Here, here's a little note. Fernando Tatis's younger brother. They got signed by the White Sox. That's exactly right. Well, they got, they're trying to uh, <laughs> fix a wrong. They're like, well, you know, we may, might sign one. We don't. We lost one Tatis to sign another Tatis. Padres win last night. Another one-run decision, uh, four to three over the Atlanta Braves. Padres right now three and two on this seven-game road trip. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes, a big night last night. Three for four, a double. Uh, two homers in the ball game, number seven and eight. He drove in three of the four runs. Eric Hosmer, his uh, fifth homer of the year. Hosmer, two for five last night. Now uh, boosted his average up to 252. Uh, Manny Machado had a hit last night, one for four, playing shortstop for the injured Fernando Tatis Jr., who was placed on the IL yesterday. 
The lineup that we talked about on the program yesterday was in the uh, lineup last night, and that was Ty France, who went 0 for 4 at third, Manny Machado at short, and Greg Garcia at uh, second base. Tonight, uh, with a left-hander on the mound, Max Fried, the former uh, 2012 Padres first-round draft pick, pick uh, pitching for the Atlanta Braves tonight. I would imagine Ian Kinsler will draw a start at uh, second base. I think they'll go back and forth right now. Uh, with Cal Quantrill coming up and making his uh, major league debut, the Padres are going to have to make a corresponding move. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, who that is. It wouldn't surprise me if Maton uh, was up uh, yesterday and he goes back down today to make room for the uh, young uh, 24-year-old right-hander Cal Quantrill. Speaking of Quantrill, Andy Green yesterday, prior to the ball game, talked with the media uh, and uh, gave a little insight to Cal Quantrill. Yeah, I think we've been very vigilant in making sure we take care of certain guys in our rotation, understanding where they're coming back from injury and uh, some of the limitations we have from an innings perspective and wanting to keep them on as regular of a rotation schedule as we can with an extra day of rest in there. Uh, every time Matt Strom and Chris Paddock have pitched, they've had that extra day. Cal's going to start tomorrow. is going to enable that continue. But for Cal, it's a chance to show that he's uh, another one of the guys in a long line of starting pitchers that have shown up and done a great job for us. I think we're all excited to see him tomorrow. Obviously, organization drafted him really high a number of years ago now, and he's come back from injury himself. And uh, watching his outings in the minor leagues this year, he's attacking better, really, than he ever has. And I think we're all excited to watch him pitch against a very tough Atlanta club tomorrow. And I know he's going to have a lot of family and friends here. And uh, if we know anything about Cal, he's going to compete. And we're excited to watch him compete. And, of course, his uh, father, uh, uh, Paul Quantrill, pitched for a number of years in the big leagues. He uh, uh, pitched a little bit here in San Diego, pitched with the Dodgers. He had some good years with the Toronto Blue Jays. Cal Quantrill, uh, when he was drafted out of Stanford, he was coming off a Tommy John surgery, and he was the Padres' first-round pick. Uh, in 2016, so far down in the Pacific Coast League, Cal Quantrill this year, 3-1 and one with a 4.68 ERA. This was Quantrill last night at SunTrust Park talking with the media. Yeah, exciting. It's a dream come true. Uh, I know in relative terms I probably didn't spend all that long in the minors, but uh feels like it's been waiting for forever for this, so I'm uh, excited to be here. How did you find out the news? Uh found out... A couple days after my last start, or no, maybe a little, got a phone call. I was, I don't even remember what was said, to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, okay, fine. What? <laughs> it's all a blur at this point? Yeah, it was just exciting. Yeah, first phone call went to? First phone call to mom, of course. I think it would have been some, some hell to pay if I didn't call her first. But, uh, yeah, so called her. She was on vacation, ended that vacation real quick, and then uh, called pops and the sisters and grandparents. So the whole clan knows. Well, that's Cal Quantrill, and, uh, you know, you never know what to expect out of a guy when he goes to the mound uh, for the first time in the big league level. I remember talking with Randy, and we're going to talk with Randy at 840, but Randy talked about it was just tough to get out on the mound and breathe. you got to remember to breathe, and Randy talked about, you know, as he uh, went into his delivery, you got to be able to lift up my uh, front leg. Bob Scanlon said the same thing, and, you know, speaking about major league debuts, uh, I would throw out there, what, what do you expect out of Quantrill tonight? Do you expect him to go out there and uh, do one of those uh, three or four inning performances? Do you think he can go five innings tonight and just, you know, lay it out on the line? Go out there, go as hard as you can for as long as you can? You know, I was looking at the line of Griffin Canning 
Uh, the young man out of Mission Viejo last night for the Angels, he made his major league debut. And uh, I would have to say a kind of mixed results. Uh, Griffin Canyon last night. Angels ended up winning the ball game 4-3. to three. Ty Butry uh, ended up getting the winner in relief. But Griffin Canyon last night in his debut, four and a third innings, gave up four hits. Three runs, all of them earned. One walk, six strikeouts, gave up a homer to Brandon Drury. And, you know, I, that's mixed results right there for me. I mean, he did some good things. He did some bad things. Gave up a homer, uh, gave up three earned runs and uh, uh, four and a third innings. Uh, you know, it's all right, not great. Uh, they ended up winning the ball game, which uh, is the bottom line. But what do you expect out of Quantrill tonight? I mean, look at the guys we've seen. Nick Margavichus, what he's been able to do, what Paddock's been able to do. Now, here's a guy in Quantrill who was a number one pick of the San Diego Padres, and it's taken him a little while. I, I think they thought they'd bring him up last year. Uh, Logan Allen, who you know we thought uh, might be here. here. Here's the guy that was the Texas League Pitcher of the Year. He's down in AAA still right now, and he's got a future. You know, yesterday, A.J. Casavell was on with us. And he was talking uh, about how uh, Quantrill uh, and uh, uh, Logan Allen, that last game uh, they pitched over in the Cactus League before they went up and played those games in Seattle, I mean, those guys were brutal. They couldn't get anybody out. Remember the Cubs scored 24 runs on them on that like Sunday ball game over in uh, Peoria? I mean, the Cubs were just hammering Quantrill and Logan Allen that day. And they may have been going through the dead arm period. Every pitcher goes through the dead arm period. But now he has one really bad start. The first start of the year in the PCL, and now he's been uh, pitching very, very well. His numbers, like uh, AJ said yesterday, are a little bit deceiving. He is 3-1, and one, but his ERA is at four six eight because he got beat up a little bit in that first game. But since that first game in the Pacific Coast League, he's been pitching very well. My question to you this morning, what do you expect out of Cal Quantrill tonight? You know he's going to be fired up. You know the team's going to be fired up. Uh, They know him. He's been in the organization now since 2016. What's realistic to expect out of him? Can the Padres win with him on the mound tonight? You you want to win tonight, and then you got Matt Strom going against Mike Fultonavich yesterday or tomorrow. You got a chance to maybe have a five and two road trip. But what do you expect tonight out of Cal Quantrill? Eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three eight three three two eight eight. 0973. I'm going to bring in Jim Russell and Jeff right now. Hey, guys, let, let's face it. We have a vest, vested interest in the San Diego Padres. I've been a fan since, you know, they were in the Pacific Coast League at Old Westgate Park. Uh, you guys, like myself, we uh, work on the radio station that carries them. What do you think, Jim, tonight is realistic for uh, Cal Quantrill's Major League debut? So I also have Hammers predictions as well, so I'll tell you that too. But I think I'm going to go f- Five and five and a third. Uh, three, no, two earned runs. Okay. Four strikeouts, two walks, and uh, I don't know what the final score is, but that's just that's what I think for him. Five and a third, two runs, four strikeouts, two walks. Okay, you know I, I would take that. I, I would definitely take that. Jeff, what do you got? Well, funny enough, I was actually thinking five and a third as well. Um, Copycat. <laughs> Fine, I'll go five and two thirds. I'll get one more. There we go. Um, and then I'm gonna go with three earned runs. I like four Ks. I actually like that one. Four Ks. Copycat. And three walks. Okay. Hammer's got five innings, one earned run, six strikeouts, and he goes one for two with the single at the plate. Padres win. Oh, look at that. 
And then uh, hopefully he qualifies for the win, so he gets the game ball for pitching, plus he gets the game uh, uh, ball for his first hit. He gets that uh, ball pr- they'll throw it into the dugout. pretty safe bet for any rookie on this team that five innings is like a max for for the first time out. So I think we're all in – what do you think, Coach? Well, I'm going to go uh, five innings. Okay. I'm going to say he gives up five hits. He's going to get three strikeouts. He's going to walk two. And uh, the Padres will end up winning because he's going to leave with a 3-2 lead, and the bullpen will close it out. Okay, okay. I like it. Big thing about Max Freed tonight, got to hit that curveball. He got one of the better curveballs in all of baseball. That curveball's uh, beautiful to watch, actually. It's kind of a – I think his curveball's as good uh, as uh, Kershaw's was in his prime. Don't know – wait, was Max Freed the guy that pitched for the Houston Astros? No. And I uh, don't know anything about Max Freed. Yeah, wait till you see. He got a great delivery. Kid out of Harvard Westlake. He got a sweet delivery. My scouting report on him is uh, not up to par. Sorry, Coach. That's all right. Hey, next time around, when they come to San Diego later in the year, you'll have that scouting report uh, dialed in. I'll be better next time for you. You know, we need to put all these numbers. Uh, you need to tweet out all these numbers and see how close we end up coming tonight. Want to know what happened with the Friars? It's time for Padres Rewind. He's hot. He's hot. One, two. Got a hold of a breaking ball to deep left field. I thought he got it all. Car rushed. Ball going. Ball gone. Big fella. Fran Mio Reyes. Oh, two. Breaking ball. Hit up the middle there. That's a base hit. Choice will bring home the two. And yes, the ball cost the Padres a run. That lead is gone. They are down 2 1. Now he's ready to go on three and two. Garcia leads it second, and the payoff to Reyes is lined the other way, fair and down the line, and this is going to tie the game. Garcia rounding third on his way home. Franmil's going for two. The big man with a flop into second base, and an RBI double knots it up two to two here in the third. Franmil had the home run of the first and seventh of the year. RBI double for the other run. This is a line drive in the right field. This one, same thing. I thought he got 100% of it. Ball going, ball long gone. Fran Mille Reyes. Right toward right center. Opposite field. Is he locked in or what? Easy swing. Teron deals. That ball is smoked to center field. Wow, did he get a lot of that. Ball going. Car rushed. Ball gone. Center field just to the left of the 400 sign. You want to play long ball with the Padres? They can, they can play that these days. That's for sure. Runners going. The pitch is high outside. Throw down Bahia on the bag. Out at second base. What an arm on Mejia. We know it. We've seen it. Scouts talk about it. And I mean, you got to really, really give it to him there. That throw was perfect. Tying run. Off the bases. Two out. Delivery. Splitter. Swing and a miss. Strike three. This ballgame belongs to my San Diego Padres. That was your Padres Rewind on 97.3 The Fan. Pretty geeked up right now about the way the San Diego Padre Ball Club is playing. Uh, they're sitting right now on this uh, road trip, sitting at 3-2. and two. When you look at their road record on the year, uh, the Padres now, how about this? A cool 10-5. and five. Boy, I, I like that. 10-5 and five on the road. Now, they've got to pick it up a little bit better at Petco Park, and hopefully that will start on Friday night. Game one of a three-game series against the uh, Boys in Blue from Los Angeles. Let's get back to the phones. We kick off hour number three. Ed and Mira Mesa, you're on with Coach John Cantera. Coach in the mornings on 97.3 The Fan. How you doing today, Ed? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Coach. Well, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it, Ed. 
Hey, so uh, Padres fan here. Uh, I know it's super early, but um, after another awesome start, great start by Chris Paddock. Um, first, I want to say I love Fernando Tatis Jr. He's the man. Um, he's just a phenom and great to watch. But um, with another great start with Chris Paddock, um, and we were thinking Rookie of the Year from Fernando Tatis Jr. What about Rookie of the Year for Chris Paddock from the Padres? I was just thinking about that. Well, I think both of those guys very well could be uh, in the running. I think uh, unless the uh, the pitcher really rolls up a, a lot of W's and, and has a low ERA and you know throws 150 plus innings, uh, maybe not entirely 150. I don't think they'd allow Chris to go 150. Uh, you know, they're going to monitor his innings very closely considering he's only a second season off of Tommy John. Uh, but, you know, when, when it comes down to it, I always go with the position guy because he's going out there pretty much uh, each and every day. Uh, and as we get deeper in the season, you know, we'll take a look at some of the other rookies around. I mentioned one earlier uh, from the New York Mets, Pete Alonso. He's having a really, really nice start to his career this year uh, there at uh, City Field with the Mets. But, again, it's early. Uh, some guys are... Uh, you know, off to great starts, and then all of a sudden uh, they hit a wall, and, and hopefully a Paddock and Tatis Jr., when he gets back healthy, uh, those guys aren't going to hit a wall, and, and they'll finish their first year with flying colors. Yeah, that's agree. That sounds cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, it looks like uh, Alonzo and Tatis for the position players for rookies of the year so far. Yeah, hey, uh, what what do you expect tonight? I, I, from the fans out there, I threw it out, and I know we threw it out on Twitter as well. What do you expect out of Cal Quantrill tonight in his major league debut? How how long do you think he can go, and what do you think his final line will be? Um, I'm thinking, uh, looking at Mark Gavichis and Paddock, I think these young guys are uh, are awesome and ready. Uh, you know, like Preller and uh, Green. Are thinking and they have confidence in them. So I'm thinking, you know, at least five. You know, hopefully under two, two, three runs. Um, hopefully under three runs. But yeah, so far all these young guys are doing doing great. So I'm thinking uh, the same from him and hopefully Allen when he comes up too. Hey Ed, let me ask you this. Now I'll let you go, and I appreciate the phone call again, and uh, we'll get to more phone calls here in just a minute. But now that the Padres have a legitimate ball club and they're just not a bunch of guys uh, thrown together to try to make a big league ball club, you got legitimate big league players and some guys that, you know, some are already stars, but you got some other guys like a Paddock, like a Tatis Jr., like a Fran Mill Reyes, like a Hunter Renfro, guys that, you know, can be household names. Do you find it that you're making a little bit extra effort right now to make sure to tune into the games or watch the games because this team is exciting? Absolutely. I mean, I've always been a Padres fan and always try to watch, but uh, even more so uh, now that we have an exciting team, definitely, um, and going, trying to go into the games more than, than the last couple of seasons. So definitely it's, it's, it's helped to have a, a better talent on the field. Uh, to make it more exciting. Uh, that's great, Ed. Hey, uh, when you see me at the ballpark, flag me down, say hello one of these days when you see me walking around. Sounds good. Thank you, Coach. Have a great day. You're welcome, Ed. Thanks so much for the phone call, Big Ed in Mira Mesa. That opens up a phone line at 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. Six minutes and Sue D will be in with a traffic report. Let's get right back to the phones. We go down to the South Bay. Manny, you're next up with Coach John Quintero on 97.3 The Fan. Manny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. We go down with Todd. Give him some rest, uh-huh. and somebody fills his spot. 
I, I think now we are working our way to be the Patriots of the baseball. Just do your job, next man up. Paddock was lights out. Like that other guy said, he's an undertaker, bro. He comes out, does his business, just puts people to rest, and keeps about it until he's out. I, I love that they're not putting him more than seven innings, but I know in one or two more years, man, he's going to close, shut out, nine-inning complete game. Well, right now, I think, Manny, uh, you know, when you look at this entire uh, uh, starting rotation, including Matt Strom, who's been around the big leagues a little bit, uh, but he's now a starter, I think all five of these guys uh, are going to have limitations on how deep they go in games for the most part and how many innings they're going to log for the entire Major League season. What those numbers are, we don't know. The Padres know. Believe me, the Padres know because they got a lot of guys that are very smart in their front office uh, that have uh, you know looked at all the different formulas. I mean, the one thing that people don't know about the Padres, they, they always hear about A.J. Preller, but there are some other guys that work underneath A.J. Preller, guys like Freddie Ullman Jr., uh, a guy by the name of Josh Stein who actually played ball at La Jolla High School. Uh, he's an assistant general manager. Logan White, who uh, is a great baseball man. They've got some great baseball people in this organization right now that is a great support system to A.J. Preller uh, and to the ownership. So, you know, there's some guys that you never hear their names, but Josh Stein, Fred Ullman Jr., and uh, a guy by the name of Logan White who they got from the Dodgers. Those three guys do an incredible job, and believe me, I'm sure they've all sat around, they've looked at different uh, uh, numbers, and they know how many innings a guy like Margaviches can throw at the big league level. Believe me, Manny, it's a lot more taxing pitching in the big leagues than it is pitching an A ball or double A ball because when those guys get on second base you or third base, you better make a quality pitch or you're not going to be in the ball game all that long. So there's a part of it that's physical, but there's a big part of it uh, out on the mound that's uh, the mental. But, uh, you know, Paddock, you mentioned, man, Paddock's tough out there, man. He's got that bulldog attitude. That's right. And you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to win the World Series this year. As a Padre fan, I've been waiting to where we've had consecutive years. So if, if the front office and everybody wants to hold them back and just see what they have this year, I'm okay with that. Second or third place this year would be perfect for me. I know we're building for the future. One thing I have never heard most of the fans talk about or any of the Padres talk about is the front office, and you hit it on the nail. Everybody is on the same page from top to bottom, the manager is always talking about the front office and the calls they're making and the correct calls, and it, it just trickles down all the way down to their minor league system. I'm excited for the next 10 years. Hey, Manny, before I let you go, I'm going to ask uh, you the same question uh, uh, that I asked our last caller. What do you expect out of Cal Quantrill tonight in his major league debut against that tough, uh, hard-hitting uh, lineup for the Atlanta Braves? I'm going to expect him, bro, it's a hard lineup. He's, I got to expect at least two or three runs he's going to give up. He's going to give up a productive four, maybe five innings, just like everybody else this year that's been called up. Let's see what they got. If you ain't cutting it, we'll send you back down with the checklist, and in the future <laughs> we'll see you again, bro. I, I'm not expecting much, but four innings, maybe two runs, our bats are coming to life. 
we'll put on six on the scoreboard. All right, man. Hey, uh, you give me a call tomorrow. We'll uh, check his line and uh, discuss it tomorrow. It'll be the the final game. Got a three-hour show tomorrow, and then I'll have the the pre- and post-game tomorrow morning uh, with a pre-game show getting underway at 10 and the first pitch tomorrow at 9, 10, and then the boys will be back to take on the L.A. Dodgers on Friday night. I can't wait to get to the ballpark. I'm going to go home, and Manny, thanks again for the phone call. I'm going to go home, take a nap on Friday, and then I'm going to find a way to get through that uh, tough Friday traffic to Petco park uh but i i can't wait to get there there and i said it earlier there's something about when the dodgers come to town and and you're in the like the press room where, where you eat dinner and guys like charlie steiner rick monday no more garcia para fernando valenzuela jaime harin all those guys are walking around and they're just normal dudes, and they talk to you, and uh, we have a, a, a great baseball conversation. So I'm fired up on uh, Friday night. Uh, and then if Lasorda shows up, that's even better. I mean, Lasorda's amazing. If you could see Tommy Lasorda in the press room uh, in the media area where we eat dinner, he sits down, and all of a sudden, within about five minutes, you're going to have about 20 people circled around his table, and he's going to be telling great baseball stories. And Lasorda loves to come to San Diego, so I'm sure uh, he'll probably be here. Uh, we're going to get over to Sue D. right now. We're going to get you an updated traffic uh, report. But I, when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit more about the uh, Padre front office of those three men that I mentioned, because I think uh, they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done behind the scenes for the most part, on help building this franchise. We've been talking a lot about this gentleman and his team this morning. Uh, from the uh, San Diego Seals, defenseman Kyle Hartzell joins us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. Kyle, welcome to the program. Great to have you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We didn't uh, make you get up any earlier than you normally do, did we? Uh, no, you did not. I had a 6 a.m. workout, so I was up at 5, so I've been up for a while. All right. Hey, let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, your career uh, here uh, this year in San Diego. I know you've been playing uh, uh, professionally now uh, since 2009. You started out, I believe, up there in San Jose, and you had a good run in Washington and uh, Philadelphia. And uh, uh, and then uh, after New England in 2015, it looked like maybe you took a little time off, but you're back at it right now. Talk about how you ended up here, because you signed kind of late in the season. Yeah, I signed about midway through the season. Um, I was supposed to join the team uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, had some issues uh, moving out. I was moving out west, um, so I couldn't fully commit to it. But, uh, you know, I got a call from Brody Merrill, uh, Pat Merrill, who I respect very much. Um, and they kind of made it really easy for me uh, to join the team. And I'm, I'm glad I'm big because I, I missed indoor. And, um, you know, now we're playing – uh, for a home playoff game uh, next Monday. So it's uh, exciting to be back. Okay, tell me a little bit about uh, you played with New England in 2015. And is this the first time you back playing professionally uh, since New England in 2015? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I played for the Philadelphia Wings uh, my last season, and then my rights actually moved over to New England. So I actually never played a game with New England. So my last game I played was with the Philadelphia Wings. Um, and then New England obtained my rights. But, yeah, this is my first year back um, since I've been playing uh, back in, I don't know when that was, I think 2013 uh, with the wing. So, um, yeah. Okay, tell me, what what have you been doing? You a stockbroker? What have you been doing since then? <laughs> no, I'm, full, I'm full-time lacrosse. So uh, this past summer uh, I was playing with the men's national team. Uh, we won a gold medal this past summer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time lacrosse guy. Uh, the new new lacrosse league, the PLL, coming up. I worked full time for that. 
Uh, that's why I'm out here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, it makes it easy driving down to San Diego for the Seals home games. And um, pretty much like I get a home game uh, when we play at home. So, um, yeah, I'm full-time lacrosse. I uh, work in the office here in L.A. for the P- Premier Lacrosse League. And then um, I drive down there on the weekends to play uh, for the Seals. So, well, you played in ten games so far. Uh, you're a defenseman. Uh, uh, the the seals have had a great run. Uh, have you been a little surprised on the attendance out there for a new franchise? How well they've uh, brought people through the gates? Um, not not really. No. Um, and because of why, why I say that is, you know, with our ownership group that we have, you know, Joe Sai and um, you know Stephen Govett uh, leading the charge there, and um, you know, I've known them. I've known Stephen. You know, he's been in the league for a very long time. He knows how to. You know, put butts in the seats. So, um, and then Joe Sy, obviously, uh, big name in the sport. And uh, with, with those guys leading the, leading the charge, I, you know, I was not surprised. Um, you know, seeing the fan base that we have down there in San Diego. We're visiting with Kyle Hartzell, a veteran defenseman with the San Diego Seals. They've got their first playoff game coming up uh, this Monday at the Pachanga Arena against the Calgary uh, Roughnecks. Uh, how tough was it for you? To come in, you know, in the middle of the season, and all of a sudden you show up, you got this big resume, and and to fit in with your team uh, right away. Um, it was actually, it was actually kind of hard because just not playing indoor for a while. Um, you know, indoor is a different game than outdoor. Um, and you know, I didn't grow up playing that sport. You know, I played obviously for the past a uh, few years, and then took a break from it. Um, and then the first game back, they wanted me to play in Toronto. I think Toronto was the best team in the league at the time, so. I was just throwing right in the lines then, but, uh, you know, it took me a couple shifts uh, to get going. But after that, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, getting back to just fundamentals and um, doing what our coaches preach. And, um, you know, we, we have such a great group back there uh, on the defensive end. You know, they made it really easy for me to just come right on in. And um, they acted like I've been there the whole entire year. So it, it, it's a really testament to those guys that are in the locker room and uh, the good group. We have a really special group there. So, um, you know, from day one um, in that locker room in Toronto, um, you know, I felt right at home. So uh, we, we just got a really good group of guys, and we're really looking forward um, to getting back together this weekend. You know, Kyle, I look at the playoff structure, and I know uh, in a lot of these leagues uh, there's a variety of reasons why the, the playoffs are a single-game elimination. A lot of it has to do with travel and uh, lodging and, you know, incurring a lot of big costs. But, you know, in rounds one and two, of the National Indoor Lacrosse League, uh, they're going to be single elimination. And, you know, the ball doesn't bounce your way on that given night. You go home uh, for the summer. How, how do you look at single elimination? Um, I mean, look at single elimination, right? It's you lose and uh, you go home. So the season's over if we, if we lose. Um, you know, we're, we're headed into this weekend um, prepared, um, ready to roll. Uh, this is a team that we've played three times now and have beaten two out of the three times. Um, we match up very well with them, I think. Um, and our coaches are going to have us ready to roll uh, come Monday. Um, but, yeah, you definitely come in with a little bit more uh, sense of urgency and um, there, there's less room for mistakes, right? The team that makes the, the least mistakes, usually the team that comes out on top. So we're, we're just focused on us and uh, what we need to do um, to, to seal up a win there. Um, you know, we, we got our game plan and we're going to stick to that and just worry about ourselves uh, heading into Monday night. Kyle, they always talk about in games, whether, you know, it doesn't matter what game, basketball, hockey, uh, baseball, uh, football, especially, they talk about home field advantage. How about in, in lacrosse? Is the home field advantage really uh, big? Do you feel in lacrosse? Oh yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I mean, you got, I know we have uh, a bunch of guys living out in San Diego and, 
you know, we have quite a bit that travel from the East Coast. But, you know, for myself, you know, getting in a car and driving an hour and 50 minutes south um, is, is is huge just because you have to go on an airplane, um, security checkpoint, you know, <laughs> sit on that airplane, fly over, deal with all that. So um, I, I know some of our guys are traveling, but a lot of our guys are based out there in San Diego. And then our home crowd, right? Our home crowd is really loud in that arena and they really get us going and uh, give us energy. So I, I think it's huge in any sport that you play. Uh, it doesn't matter. That home crowd, that home base uh, is definitely a huge advantage. Kyle Hartzlow, the San Diego Seals, our guest here on uh, 97.3, our SDCCU fan hotline. Again, they play Monday night, this coming Monday night, May 6th, Western Division semifinal against the Calgary Roughnecks. I want to ask you about youth because lacrosse has really taken off uh, nationally, but right here in San Diego, Southern California, it's huge right now, not only with the the boys but with the girls as well. Could you talk a little bit about when you got uh, involved? Did you play other sports and uh, you transitioned to lacrosse? How would you go about uh, getting involved? Yeah, I, I was a big soccer player growing up, um, and then I didn't start playing lacrosse till my freshman year of high school. So I was actually a late bloomer um, getting into the sport. I was really behind the eight ball uh, joining the sport, um, but I knew I wanted to play it in college. So you know, I worked hard every day at it to, to get to that level. Um, but yeah, the youth, the youth level, it's, 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 I mean, it's exploding. It's been the fastest growing sport um, every year in our country, and even on the women's side, it actually is growing at a more rapid rate than the, than the boys. Um, so, but yeah, it's huge, especially out in San Diego, uh, California. Um, and you can just see by the kids that come out to our games, how excited they are, uh, to, to be around us and all the SEALs guys that live out there that are doing these youth clinics, um, getting in the communities, uh, getting sticks in hands of these kids that may have never played before. Um, you know, I get messages all the time about that stuff. Um, cause that's, that's kind of like my full-time job. I travel the country, um, teaching kids pretty much in every state, in every state, uh, that, that, that's all I do. So it's, it's really rewarding to see kids uh, come out and how happy they are and how much fun they have playing this sport because I really do think it's one of the best sports, if not the best sport, um, you know, in the United States that kids can get, you know, engaged in and play. It's a, you know, fast-moving sport, a lot of action, hitting, um, fast-paced. You know, it's, they say it's the quickest game on two feet, and I believe that. And, uh, <laughs> kids, that kids, kids really love it. So kids really love the sport, and it's good to see the growth out in San Diego. Um, every weekend we go down there, you know, we get new fans coming as my first game or wherever that may be, and they had such a good experience, and they come back again. So it, it's good to see that. Well, uh, for the fans out there, when you go to the game Monday night and cheer on the Seals in their playoff game against the Calgary Roughnecks, make sure you uh, yell for number 11. That'll be Kyle Hartzell. Kyle, thanks so much for the time. Good luck, and uh, uh, let's bring home a championship to San Diego. No problem. We'll, we'll get it done. Take care, my friend. Thanks for the time. Thank you. There you go, uh, Kyle Hartzell uh, from the San Diego Seals again Monday night. And Big Jeff's going out there uh, to take uh, a look at the uh, Seals. He's been out there a few times, as he talked about earlier. Uh, Jeff uh, went through uh, kind of a mini uh, training camp out there with the Seals prior to their first game. And again, uh, he was... uh, Kyle was joining us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. By the way, you can nominate SDCCU, uh, the best credit union in the Union Tribune's Reader's Poll, daily at sdccu.com slash nominate. San Diego County Credit Union, it's not big bank banking, it's better. That was Best of Coach, 5 to 9, mornings, right here on 97.3 The Fan. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.